From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, May 31st, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us from our Nashville, Tennessee office, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Our office being sometimes we work and sometimes (laughs) his living room. And just down the street, uh, there are Nashville author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, A little behind the scenes. Uh, Usually we record the podcast the day before because of all the extensive editing. You know, all all the cleanup. Yeah. Today we are going, we are flying close to the sun. Uh, We are recording on the day this thing's going out. So... This, this is, may be a loose end. Here we we'll go. This yeah. is this is Nick yeah. Willinda walking across to walking <laughs> across Niagara Falls with no safety net. People, the harnesses <laughs> have come off. <laughs> Jesse, I'm going to have to stop you right there. We got to get right to the show. Did you see on Twitter this week? People have been taking us to task. Some new what? listeners joined, like tuned into the show on Tuesday. I missed all this. And and, and 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 their their public review of our lovely little podcast here was yeah. They might need to change the name of that podcast because there's 50 minutes of drivel before we got to the good stuff. And then all the other people are going, no, the 50 minutes of drivel is why I listen. And the internet is on fire not really. There's well, like seven people. Yeah, like, that's, that's, we the wish it's always on. The internet's always on fire. It was a tweet. When they say dribble, what do they do? They mean like they, they want to hear that. That's only when he talks about basketball. It's when the magic is playing. I know. Uh, I, I well, I have something that I I feel like I can address this, and I feel like I'm I can sure do it can. in a way that's diplomatic, that's understanding and appreciative to our listeners. There's something called a fast forward button. I don't care. <laughs> Keep it to yourself and just scrub it forward if you don't like I literally, it. I literally replied that as relevant. <laughs> It's like there's this new invention on all podcasting apps. Called oh, I Fast saw Forward. it, and I was like, "That's that's the snark of a Cameron Strang." That oh, is yeah. who that yeah, is. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a Jesse Carey. That's response. not a Jesse Carey. That's a if Cameron Strang. A, there was a salty relevant podcast reply on Twitter. That's Cameron's got the phone out while he's watching basketball. Yeah. Hey, yep. I, so. hey, okay. Here, I need to I need to publicly use this time to address oh, something boy. that has nothing to do with the intersection of faith and culture, but I will yep. use it as a platform because people love when we do this at the beginning of the show to address something. <laughs> personal. I want to congratulate the good volunteers of the SBCA who came to my house late last night. It was like 11 o'clock to rescue two ducklings that were abandoned in my pool. And not only that. Wait, why didn't you get them out? I got them out, but but I put them in a box in my garage to keep them safe because you have no idea how adamant the SPCA people were that I get them out of the pool immediately and do not let them dive underwater. Whatever really? you do, don't let them dive underwater because they don't have the oils on their wings yet. They're they're ducklings. They're abandoned Can you ducklings. tell me what those letters are you're saying? SPCA? Oh, it, uh, uh, do they not have the SPCA by you guys? I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's like a volunteer animal rescue organization. Okay, wow. they have like shelters oh. and I am shocked that you don't work for the Volunteer Animal Rescue Foundation. Hey, after my encounter last night, I was like, okay, Maybe. I might have to do this because <laughs> I mean, I, I masterfully got the ducklings out of the pool. But when the lady came at like 11 o'clock to pick them up and bring them back to the shelter, 
Uh, I, I was like, all right, well, are you going to get them right there? She's like, no, I have somewhere to go from here. I'm like, oh, yeah? She's like, no big deal, but there's an uncontained squirrel in Norfolk right now. And I'm almost, <laughs> I, I want to be like, hey, lady, I don't want to break it to you. There's probably thousands of uncontained squirrels right around us right now, just asleep in the trees. Every squirrel is an uncontained squirrel. But yeah, her what, commitment what? to this job yeah. is she's going to go to some rando's house in the middle of the night and try to get a squirrel out of the attic. I appreciated the dedication. This is all volunteer work. <laughs> this is thankless volunteer work. What a terrible these- use of your time. <laughs> I just would hate like happy Thursday night. Oh, I was hanging with my friends watching basketball. And now no. I gotta go get two ducks out of this rando's pool. No, no, this is what. It, no, here's what this is. This, this is gonna make me sound like a horrible person. <laughs> horrible person. But the people it's gonna were make tra- me sound like one or you? Me, me, okay, for good. sure. Uh, because like the people were talking to uh, Dana and I on the phone, and we're like, uh, y- you know. I, they were like, okay, you need to bring them to us tonight. They cannot make it through the night. And I, I, I was like, Dana, I'm not driving across town with two ducks in my car. I, and I, and I told That's them, text story. them back circle of life. They stay outside tonight. We'll see what happens. I was like, listen, one animal's rescue is another fox's dinner. So right. if they want those ducklings, they That's can come awful. to me. And they did. They did. They weren't <laughs> really they did. So congrats to them. They're better people than me. Yeah. But that is true. I mean, like for all the we were in Montana and and uh, and Brian Carpenter, the guy who runs the organization that hosts us, uh, lives out there and, and they had just built the pin and they had they had chickens. Oh, man, this is you know, they were doing the chickens and uh, and they were, you know, the, the little kids like Brian's kids were excited to bring us the fresh eggs and all this stuff. <laughs> this is and bad. while we were all hanging out, <laughs> Jesse, what happened? Because my back was turned. I'll tell you what oh, happened, boy. and I'm going to blow somebody's spot up because Brian's young daughter uh, it took the fall for this, for leaving the gate open yeah. where those ducks were attacked. But I know who actually opened oh, the no. gate. I know who actually, and I probably shouldn't say his name publicly. Cameron, oh. let's just call him J-Bach. No, no, too obvious. <laughs> no we'll call him way. Jonathan B. And this <laughs> man, Jonathan B., <laughs> May have left the Christian gate open. film producer, president <laughs> no, of Grace Hill Media. We don't know. We don't know. There's, we don't know. Hypothetically, there's, there's lots John, of Jonathan Bo stand for anything. <laughs> John Bo. This is John Bo for all sure. you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 briefly left the gate open. A dog ran into there, and it, there was. It was like someone had gotten a feather pillow, just thrown it in the air and burst it. That's all I see. It's like it you know old. in the cartoons where the Tasmanian devil runs and it's just a tornado of like debris in the air. That's yeah. what it was. It was the tornadoes no of feathers way. and grown men screaming. Like, all, I, all I knew is that the children came running and screaming, and the men were like, "Oh!" And it basically, one man's pet is another person's prey. You know, yeah, that's what I, I, I learned. Will say this. Another person's prey. Well, another animals prey you know I, the, what i mean it's the, like let's just think about the ducks that circle of the, life man the the dog got one of the chickens and it was her i was shook i i don't i don't want to see that i don't want to see nature you know i don't want to see the savagery of nature play out in front of me and you could tell all of these dudes that are on this montana retreat none of them and none of them have ever lived on a farm because yeah. as soon as as a, as you see the duck run in there no one jumped the fence to help except for brian he ran in there and, and quickly revenue situation every guy there just like this ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> i didn't see savage. it happen and i and i and i found jesse he was like what what happened and he looked shell-shocked like he just got home from war like he had seen jesse. some things i don't want to see that <laughs> the look in his that. eye was literally like 
I can't talk about this yet. Like he looks sick. It, it, it well, yeah. It, well, I get it was it was traumatizing, man. No one wants. Like I said, I'm just glad she came and got the ducks last night. Yeah, I have I'm a follow up duck un- question. Okay. Can I ask a duck question? Please do, Jesse. I've known you for a long time now. I'm so surprised that your move wasn't. I can't wait to get two ducks in my car. Why didn't you want them in your car? The NBA you finals watch on, and I'm not missing that. Yeah, exactly. The, the lives of two ducklings aren't worth me missing game one of the NBA finals, Annie. And okay, that was okay, awesome. okay. That's what I couldn't understand. I was like, wait, Jesse lives for stories like having two ducks running rampant in his car. Yeah. But so there I was okay. driving across town with two ducks in the back seat. Yeah, that's not the worth. beginning of a good tale. Yeah, no, he, right. he would have missed not the worth game, it last so. night. Not worth. I found it. I found a, an, an animal, and if we're doing, if we're going to do this, cre- this creature feature on the pod yeah. now, <laughs> this is our, this is our twenty minutes of drivel now. I, what would you, what would you guys have done? I found. Uh, I, I went down to do some laundry the other night and found a lizard in the washing machine, <laughs> and, and a yeah, in the I opened it up. Alive, a living, a li- alive lizard, not like an iguana or a, not an alligator. Yeah. This isn't. This is Nashville, not Florida, yeah. but right. a sizable, a bigger lizard than I thought lived in Tennessee. Like, like compared it to your hand. Is it as big as your hand? About. Yeah. Wow. No that way. is a big lizard for yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big lizard for here. That's How a big Nashville lizard. But surprisingly fast. How hard would you guys have worked at trying to safely get the lizard back out no. to the backyard? No, 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 no. Don't it's a, no, oh, it's, you're, you're going to find it in about three weeks in the corner where it shriveled up from starvation. It, that's what it deserved. You're a monster. No, <laughs> but I, for sure you get it out. I mean, you just get it out. I you mean, I got to do laundry. Obviously, you have to. Yeah, but but it's it's too it's fast. And I'm, and Tupperware, it's you know, it's probably it's all a high little on big detergent. For, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to mess with a uh, lizard normally, but a high lizard. It's, it's drunk on Clorox. It's actual right, bath right. salts. Actual bath salts down there. The fact that it made it through the wash says that this is not a normal lizard. Yeah, this uh, is some I'm sort not of, messing with yeah. that thing. Wait, yeah. you Mutant found him at the creature. end of your load? No, no, this is the beginning. This is okay, the beginning. So this is. Like, well, if he's at the, the end of yet. your load, pull him out and let him run the household because he is a superhero. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Still, just walking around down in the bottom of there, drinking up, you know, uh, detergent residue. That's basically salander, salamander meth. He's all hopped up. You don't know <laughs> yeah. what he's feeling invincible right now, <laughs> right? Like, well, come a little at bit me. bigger. Come at I don't me. know how much bigger it need to be. A little bit bigger, and I got a new pet. Like yeah, it's, right, a, it's a little right. too small. Like it, it could get through the like the holes in the floorboards or whatever now. But uh, but a little bit bigger. And like I'll see it gets along with the dog, and who knows? Maybe we start yeah. a little. We have a little situation going a little here. But it's a, a long time. A sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or I could. Yeah, like a zoo. Okay, sure. Whatever. Zoo. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay, all so about the happened? hustle. It sounds well, like I, a, it sounds I, like a Mark Wahlberg about, movie. A nice <laughs> family friendly Mark Wahlberg movie. The dog, the lizard, and Mark Wahlberg. Right, right, right. <laughs> In which he plays himself. It's an actual Mark Wahlberg movie. Yeah. And your lizard plays himself, and too. And the lizard also plays himself. Weirdly, Mark Wahlberg voices the lizard and is portraying himself Mark Wahlberg in the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, Mark Wahlberg's playing Mark Wahlberg? And he's the voice of the lizard? Yeah, I mean, I figure the more Wahlberg we can get into this thing, the better. I mean, it's right, triple the Wahlberg right. at that point. Mark fictional, Wahlberg fictional Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Starring Mark Wahlberg 
Mark Wahlberg, the lizard, and the dog. He shoots it on his phone. It's a Mark Wahlberg production. Yeah, yeah. I think he's gotten into the detergent. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. It took a while. It took a while. The end of the lizard story. I'm not going to lie. I got a little detergent drunk tonight, and I made a film about a lizard. You guys got to see it. It's probably not going to make sense because I don't know why I drank detergent. It was terrible, and I'm violently, violently ill. Someone call poison control. <laughs> it starts sets off a massive bidding war. It's a, all, all the festivals want it. Can wants it. Sundance wants it. It, it could be a. It could. It could be a real I, art piece. I ate seven Tide Pods and shot <laughs> oh a lizard gosh. film. You guys, and I, the lizard, the, the lizard and me split an entire Tide bottle, just back and forth. <laughs> I ate nine delicious Tide Pods <laughs> and, and started rolling. <laughs> anyway, I got the. It took about twenty minutes, but I finally was able They're to get like the lizard giant. with your bare Soapy hands. Gushers. With my bare, yeah, with my bare hands, let him outside. Wow, he's not that good. He's huh? about right. Well, well, you know, that's cool. You I got a heart for the. I got a heart for all God's creatures, Annie. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, just, I just let nature run its course. I mean, right. if it's not meant to live, it's not. I meant pop to live, another Tide Pod and just let the detergent wash my cares away. Just pop in another Tide Pod. The only thing that's necessary for evil to succeed is for good men to let lizards just die in their lungs. <laughs> Delicious exactly soapy right. gushers. My <laughs> treat. All right. Well, uh, we have a great show in store for you today, despite that uh, beginning that probably lost all the new <laughs> listeners. Uh, coming up later, author and speaker Jordan Lee Dooley joins us. Uh, she's joining us to talk uh, about how to balance a healthy life while also pursuing your dreams. And uh, she has a new book coming out called uh, Own Your Every Day. There you go. Yeah. Own Your Every Day. She's everywhere right now. Hey, um, actually, stay tuned. Up next, it'll be the hot list. You're listening to Weather and Beerson. The song is Win You Over featuring Soak. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Peggy Goo with Starry Night. Okay, it's time for... It's the hot list. The hot list. It's sizzling. I'm st- I still object. Chandler, the fact that that stuff lives in you, it's just such a blessing. <laughs> Have you ever seen Slow Jams in the Kitchen? It- yeah. Back no back in back in the day on Instagram he used to do it's on YouTube oh that's it that's what yeah. it was uh-huh. slow jams from the kitchen it was Chandler in his condo kitchen mm-hmm. uh, no, singing, it, singing, singing on, about on doing longer versions of that basically wow we can still find that yeah. yeah. Oh, there goes my Friday. What people don't know is I'm looking at I'm looking at video streams of everyone on the podcast. And when uh, that song came on, the Hot List song, everyone was doing different Fortnite dances. It was really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it was cool. It was very cool. It was very, very cool. Very, very cool. <laughs> it was very cool. Oh that my is God. my least favorite thing about having a nine-year-old is that at Target, at Publix... In our living room, if a music anything comes on, all of a sudden there's a dance party. Like, oh, yeah. Why is that a bad thing? That seems like a great thing. Yeah. All of a sudden there's a dance party. Dude, no one has ever said right, that phrase. No, so the, weird, the weirdest thing about this phenomenon about the Fortnite stuff is like, okay, so we'll be in the aisle at Target, right? And a song, you know, some soft rock things playing overhead, and and Cohen starts doing a Fortnite dance in the distance. 
in the distance, another child will see that in his peripheral vision and then lock eyes with him and do, an, do his own Fortnite dance <laughs> and they will battle Fortnite dancing in the middle of Target. That's hilarious. Okay, John. I mean, all the time. That's pretty cool. Okay, John Lithgow from Footloose. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. That kids yeah. these days are communicating through the art of dance. It seems like a pretty great thing to me. It's pretty confident. They've, they're they're yeah. confident. They've evolved in their communication and relationship skills that a complete stranger you can have yeah. a dance off with in yeah. a public place and it not be weird for anyone. Yeah. Society's, yeah. Falling, society's falling down around them. You know the the dreams that their older generations had aren't going to work out for them. They're not going to have Medicaid. Let them have a dance party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they got tariffs coming everywhere. Whatever they are, we got. Let them have a little fun. Wherever they are. I'll tell you this. Tariffs. They don't sound good. Let them dance. Let them dance. Them dance. All right, they fine. got too many tariffs to worry about. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming in at number five this week on the hot list. Uh, a, a, uh, it was announced this week that a movie based on uh, Between Two Ferns is coming to Netflix. <gasps> so yes. the Funny or Die viral video series uh, featuring Zach Galifianakis um, uh, awkwardly doing celebrity interviews uh, with like actors, politicians, and artists. He's done Will Ferrell, Natalie Portman, Barack Obama, Justin Bieber, Jennifer Aniston, Richard Branson. I mean, he's done everybody. Uh, yeah. It's coming. Uh, it's going to be a movie. So in the, fe- in the feature-length movie, he is embarrassed by his viral fame. And he goes on a cross-country road trip interviewing more celebrities along the way in an effort to redeem his reputation. Uh, the <laughs> film releases in September. It's pretty great. I love it that they're just... Give it to me. They're Give basically me. just doing the plot and format of Borat and not caring. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm going to drive across the it country. It has a little bit of Tommy Boy in it, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Just, a, just a shake of Tommy Boy That's from true. the kitchen. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for, because that sounds funny. I'll watch that. Yeah. Before he blew up, did you see his... Um, it was on Netflix, or like old school Netflix. Um, he had like a comedy special, something Live about from the like purple the purple. Onion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, purple onion. And 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 it kept cutting away to like <laughs> scenes from back home, and he would play his brother and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then he has this meltdown on stage, and it was like the first time America was introduced to Zach Galifianakis, and you don't know if if he's like joking or not. Like it's one of the most uncomfortable. He's great. He's great at twisting yeah. things and not, like you don't know if he's in on the joke with you. Are we laughing at him or with him? It, it was right. great. You need to watch well, it. One of my favorite lines from that is when his brother takes us back to the house. Now remember, Seth, he is Seth Galifianakis. Yeah, Seth Galifianakis. Right. His twin brother who's being portrayed by Zach Galifianakis takes him to their childhood home and he goes, well, this is where it all started and this is where it will end. And he just stares oh at the camera like <laughs> ominously. And you're like, I don't know how to take this, but I'm just going to enjoy the ride here. Yeah. <laughs> classic. Yeah. He's got a great, that purple onion. I, I think, I think Zach Galifianakis playing his brother, Seth Galifianakis is like Mark Wahlberg voicing the lizard. Mm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hopped up on Tide Pods. I think it's a very similar lane there. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg portraying Mark Wahlberg portraying Mark Wahlberg voicing a lizard. It is very high concept. <laughs> but the lizard, the lizard has a southern drawl like Seth Galifian. Yeah. yeah, it's like nine <laughs> levels of inception there. Yeah, it's very, very complicated. Don't think about it too hard. Coming in at number four this week on the hot list, Mackenzie Bezos uh, pledged this week to give half of her $35 billion fortune to charity. 
The ex-wife of uh, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is committing to Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett's giving pledge, a commitment made by some of the wealthiest people on earth to give uh, their money to causes that help those in need. In a recent divorce from Jeff, uh, which ended their 25-year marriage, she received a 4% stake in Amazon. Her commitment to the giving pledge will devote half of that to philanthropic causes. In a statement, she said, in addition to whatever assets life has nurtured in me, I have a disproportionate amount of money to share. My approach to philanthropy will continue to be thoughtful. It will take time and effort and care, but I won't wait. And I will keep at it until the safe is empty. Uh, Notably, Jeff Bezos has not yet signed the giving pledge, despite his 16% stake in Amazon worth about $140 billion. But, you know, let's just keep it to ourselves, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Jeff. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not, really... the, the, the more the time goes on, you know, Elon Musk. Okay. He's like, he's basically like Iron Man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you kind of like you're getting, you're figuring these, these billionaires out. Jeff Bezos, probably not that good of a dude. That's kind of what we're figuring out about. Yeah. Seems... What makes, what makes Elon Musk like Iron Man? I mean, he's just like that, that kind of like inventor genius guy. You know uh, what I mean? Okay. And, and yeah, he yeah. seems, he seems somewhat <clears throat> concerned about using his ability and his For resources. Yeah, for like the greater good, <clears throat> especially like as he it, wants to solve. He wants to solve problems for humanity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so like right. the boring company is like, I want to bore tunnels to alleviate traffic and create more rapid transit and alleviate congestion and electric cars. I want to help the environment and I, 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 like everything is like something to help humanity. Yeah, um, we're, we're, he Bezos, did call. Yeah. He did call the guy who saved those kids out of the out of that cave a pedophile, yeah. 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 which wasn't <laughs> yeah, the best look. For, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Iron little, Man's not perfect. Let's just call it. Iron yeah. Man's that's true. Iron Man's not but, perfect. But but, but, but Bezos. But no, said, point the, taken. Yeah, but Bezos in the meantime seems primarily concerned with injecting more and more doses of steroids into consumerism. Like, let's mm-hmm. make it easier and easier for people to buy cheap stuff. Like, that right. seems to be, you know, almost what he's entirely devoted Amazon to be known for, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. not a lot of... Uh, and and that's not a... a it's a not just as not just a Bezos thing. Like there's been a lot of concerns about like ethics in Silicon Valley. And uh, there's not a lot of these people aren't really paid to put a lot of moral thought into their tech developments when it comes to consumerism. Uh, but we're getting to the point now where maybe these people should consider having somebody on their board who could be like, yes, we can do that. But should we do that? Mm. Um, yeah. Despite the profits that I, mean, I, I don't see that happening anytime in the very near future, but it would be nice if it did. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, when will capitalism kind of course correct for, uh, you know, more of a moral compass, you know, versus just, yeah. you know, shareholder profit? That yeah. is interesting because that seemingly is in co- contradiction to each other. Now, you would look at somebody like Elon Musk and he would say, no, we can we can make money in an ethical way or, or, you know, doing things that serve the greater good. But, you know, you're right. I mean, on on the companies that are just profit motive, like what's their incentive to do anything more than that? You know? And we've talked about it before, but yeah. it's that AI thing too of like, when does the morality of what we can create yeah. need to be interrupted by what we should create? Yeah. I, should I think create. the lack of moral compass will be the downfall of Facebook because, you know, they, they so. just went, yeah. we're learning more and more behind the scenes that they just did anything to monetize your data yeah. without any ethical discussion. And it's coming out and coming out. And I think consumer trust, let alone government regulation, because of their lack of, kind of internal oversight 
will ultimately be the downfall of it. They'll what? break up Facebook or they'll regulate it kind of into obsolescence at some point. Well, you know, well, and, I mean, and that's the danger of the venture capitalist and later IPO you know, uh, model that a lot of these Silicon Valley uh, companies start. You know, they get investors who want eventually to see their investment not necessarily create a return, but create value so that when they do have a public offering, that value that these venture capitalists put in can be cashed in. But once you start selling shares publicly, your shareholders need to see a return. And, mm-hmm. and if you want shares to keep going up. So you're, you're only incentivized if you follow that model to, to just maximize profits, you know, make margins bigger, it cut costs. And, but then you look at like private, you know, these other kind of privately run institutions. Like I can't remember the, the name of the woman who runs in and out. Uh, like, you know, that was, that's like a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a business that's she's like the granddaughter family. of the founders yeah. or something. Yeah. But but you know, she's refused to do public offerings and and, yeah. and refuses even expansion that could mean greater profits because you know of principles that are ultimately linked to quality control and uh, you know assuring a greater quality of life for their employees that you know uh might not work if you have shareholders demanding answers to why costs are so high you know right mm-hmm. it's, it's also that, the difference between chick-fil-a and mcdonald's i mean it's like one's a race to we got we got to create yeah shareholder value in some way we got to keep increasing profits and cutting margin and or creating margin all that kind of stuff whereas chick-fil-a is like no we're gonna close on sundays we're gonna yeah. serve our, our staff first we're gonna uphold quality standards you know and it's working for them but if they were you know, owned by shareholders, I don't know that they would have the, they would even be allowed to do, make some of these decisions that they yeah. made. Mm. And especially if you're going to have, I think it'd be a really cool move to see companies start hiring like an ethicist or a board of ethicists, but it would be really difficult to empower those people to the point where they could actually overrule shareholders right. or, or have, or have more, or could, you know, to not just have it be some sort of token, they write a paper that says, I don't know if we should do this. And everybody on the board's like, duly noted. And then goes ahead and does it. It'd be, a, it'd be, I think it'd be a good move, but it would take a pretty innovative company model to make that something that would be actually be of value to both the company and the consumer. Well, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Have, have any of you guys listened to Michael Lewis's new podcast series? He's the guy who wrote Moneyball, The Big Short, um, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's written a lot of, of, you know, books that involve looking at, um, you know, institutions and their dealings with like ethics and money. But anyway, he looked at how a lot of big newspapers now aren't even are eliminating ombudsmen like the, the role entirely, like internal people that keep the staff accountable for the for that very reason, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they they are having trouble justifying the cost to management when the only job of that role is integrity. You know, like integrity mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily create an automatic return, but it's important, you know, out of principle. But uh, ombudsmen's across the the you know all the major newspapers, that position is being eliminated entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, there you Pretty. go. Pretty exciting. Yeah. All, all that because uh, Mackenzie Bezos is giving away money, yeah. and Jeff Bezos <laughs> is not. <laughs> and you want it, and you still want Cohen to stop dancing in the midst of all of this. <laughs> truly, I want him to stop dancing. I want him to stop battling other children in Target. I mean, you uh-huh. know, yeah, I everybody has a reason. 
I see. Everybody has wrong. a reason. <laughs> of all the things, of all the things to to be upset with your, your I'm not your, upset. I'm not upset so. at all. I don't. I don't tell him to stop. I you don't. Whatever. Him. You should. You should let him battle. Also, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> That'll make him stop because it would be yeah, uncool if that's dad joins true. in. It, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey kids. Hey kids. We battling, and I'm just doing whatever the move is. You know. You would kill it across America. Fortnite. Fortnite would plummet. Free fall. Free fall. You've what we've been waiting on, Cameron. You dancing is what we've all been waiting on to kill Fortnite. I love it. Yeah, gamers see you and they're just like, "It's over, guys." It's Never over. mind. We're gonna right, move up on. Let's let's move on to board games now. Let's just yeah. yeah. Uh, coming in at number three this week on the hot list, a new DC Comics movie is going to mix superheroes and religion. Ava DuVernay has signed on to direct New Gods uh, based on a somewhat obscure DC comic book about a group of divine beings who try to save humanity from itself. Uh, when it was first written in the 60s and 70s, many of its characters were obvious satires of figures like Richard Nixon and even evangelist Billy Graham. She'll be writing it with comic book writer Tom King, who's worked on comics like Batman and The Vision and frequently uses religion as a theme in his work. In fact, he once said that all of his work, quote, comes down to bullets and God. So, oh, my. Ava DuVernay. Yeah. That's what I say about my writing, too. Maybe the coolest quote of all time. Annie, if someone endorsed your next book and was like, this book comes down to bullets and God, that would be on the cover, right? Uh, Done. Yeah, 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 for sure. Not even a bad title. You know, it's not even, you could, I think that book would really turn the heads at Family Christian. Huck, are you excited about these new God thing? Is this like a, is this a good comic book? It's a weird, it's a really weird one because it is, it's really obscure. Um, it came, like Jesse said, it was, it first came out in the seventies and then it kind of, it's, it's a not D list. It's like, it's like low, low on the totem pole, but it's an interesting concept. And I think the, like, I think for people like us, the spirituality that's baked into the premise will definitely be interesting. And I, I love Ava and, uh, obviously like she's been the mag. She's, she's a great director. I think that today, uh, when they see us comes out on Netflix, her miniseries about Central Park Five, and yeah. I can't wait to watch that because that's something that I kind of like. I've always known about, but I was a little too young to really be yeah. aware of it. Ha- like to really, I wasn't following it obviously when it all happened. So being able to see that, I think, is going to be really interesting. Um, and then Tom King is a writer who I really like and respect a lot. He's he's a really really cool writer, and uh, and hey, bullets and God. That, that's, what else do you want? That, that's how you get Tyler Huckabee's <laughs> endorsement. That's how you get the Tyler, the Tyler Huckabee uh, signature is pretty easy to get. Just put a few, put a little bit of bullets and some God in there and I'm on board. Um, but I would say it's going to be, it's probably going to be refreshing for DC to adapt something like this because there's not a lot of crazy fans out there that have ideas about like Batman would never do that or Superman's not like that. Cause like new gods, I have no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I didn't really even know this existed until yeah. uh, Cameron read this. So, you know, I'm cool. <laughs> Whatever direction they want to take it. They had me at Bullets and God and Ever Two for now. So <laughs> it's a blank slate as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, coming in number two this week on the hot list, uh, the creator of shows like Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane, and the president of the conservative watchdog group, the Parents Television Council, have struck up an unlikely friendship. It came this out is, this week. This is one of my Ooh. favorite stories I've read in a while. This was great. So Seth MacFarlane is an outspoken atheist, and the Parents Television Council is a pro-family-friendly watchdog group founded by a conservative Catholic. And over the years, he's targeted Seth MacFarlane personally. In one campaign, uh, they wrote, 
whatever would America's sex-crazed adolescent potheads do without Seth MacFarlane to amuse them? Can I answer oh, the gosh. question? Yes, please. Fortnite dances. Fortnite, Fortnite dances. dances. <laughs> and guy goes away, and you know, Fortnite is there's be dancing in the streets because they got nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, however, in a lengthy interview with the LA Times this week, uh, Seth MacFarlane and uh, the PTC president Tim Winter explained that they have now become close friends. In wow. 2015, after another attack on Family Guy content, MacFarlane asked Winter. Uh, or two writers that he chooses to quote, write an episode of Family Guy the way you think Family Guy should be written. I like it. Though Winter declined the offer, he wrote a letter to McFarlane explaining what is the cumulative impact on children who watched those programs. I humbly and respectfully ask you to help change the dialogue. McFarlane explained, I was properly humbled and I figured that I got to give him a call. Since then, the two speak regularly and have dinner together and consider each other friends and have thoughtfully discussed evolving content on McFarland's shows. Uh, Winter said, if the president of the Parents Television Council and the creator of Family Guy can have this kind of a relationship, maybe other folks might be able to try to do the same thing. I love it. I, I do too. And especially because like... I, I didn't. Re- I haven't really known what to think of like Seth MacFarlane because sometimes I feel like he's more concerned with being like a provocateur, yeah, and, shock and, shock. Th- yeah, yeah, than necessarily saying anything, you know, important. Which you know, look, he, he, everybody has their own approach to creativity and comedy, and that that's fine. But to see him like, you know graciously engaged with an organization that has made it very personal. And even in this conversation, you know, Tom Winter said, like, I was surprised he wouldn't talk to us because we use his hmm. name, his, his actual name in our fundraising. We're going to stop Seth oh, McFarlane. Wow. And oh for, for it to be that personal and for them to kind of lay those aside and be like, okay, well, let's see what, Let's find some common ground here. I mean, there's some really interesting anecdotes in it. You know, at one point, uh, one of Tom Winter's family members became ill and McFarlane, you know, was texting him, getting updates and really supporting him as a friend. It's just interesting. I love that last quote because it's true. Look, if these if these two individuals can get along and find common ground, then I, I really feel like that's a positive thing. Coming in number one this week on the hot list. Uh, this week, Kirk Franklin said people like Kanye West, who are on a spiritual journey, shouldn't be cast off when they stumble. Uh, the gospel music star was a guest on Beats One this week and was asked about his friendship with Kanye West. Uh, the two famously collaborated on Kanye's album, The Life of Pablo. Uh, Kirk even praised on the album. And uh, Kirk said uh, that years ago, Kanye reached out to him, telling him that he wanted to, quote, help the production value of gospel music. However, Kirk said that initially Kanye wanted to make an album with him, but Kirk told him that Christians might judge him and cast their own expectations on him if they release a gospel album together. He said that Kanye then offered to basically give him the beats for free so Kirk can make the album without him. And though Kirk declined, he wanted to stay in Kanye's life as a friend. Uh, They later ended up collaborating on the song Ultralight Beams. Well, this week, Kirk was asked if he called Kanye, Kanye out after some of his more erratic behavior and controversial political comments. However, Kirk said he believes that people like Kanye that are on a spiritual journey deserve grace. Here's a clip. You see this stuff going on? Does he call you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the relationship? I am never about throwing people away because I was thrown away by my mom and daddy. So no human being would ever be thrown away by me. I'm not going to agree with choices people make. I'm not going to agree with people's, um, um, people's execution of those choices. But I'm not going to throw your ever. life away. I want it to be more of a brother than a collaborator. Mm-hmm. Because I can't 
say no and hold accountable things that may need to be shifted if I'm always just jumping on records. That's right. And so, again, the brotherhood won. When I say win is I want listeners to know that don't mean that people are at the end of their journey and perfect and right. Is I'm saying that there is a respect and a love that when I say something to him, I'm now seeing the response be somebody that, like you said so eloquently, they on their journey. People are on their journey. And when they fall, we need to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. But let's hold them accountable to loving them back to health. Mm -hmm. Loving them back to health. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that seems like something that should be really obvious, but I, but I feel like, it, the, you know, these stories are, you know, kind of similar. It's like, you know, the parents council and Seth MacFarlane loving them in the direct, you know, to push them in the direction you want to go. It, it was interesting because, you know, Kirk, the, you know, when he initially said that Kanye came to him and said, hey, I want to help gospel music. I want to make this album. The reason Kirk Franklin didn't want to do it with him is because he didn't want to expose Kanye to angry Christians. You know, yeah. his reason was, no, yeah. you don't understand these people. Mm -hmm. If you do this, they're going to hold you to an almost impossible standard. And the first mm -hmm. thing you do, they don't like, they're going to judge you. And I mean, that's a startling indictment. I was just saying, I think it's just also an interesting another take on the cancel culture and how we just have to stop feeding that of that. If someone's making a mistake, if someone does something different to us, that we encourage people to cancel them out of our lives forever. I just think it is. So um, it's such a sick thing that has happened. And so I love these kind of conversations. They're going, oh, yeah, we're having a public life means you're going to publicly make mistakes. It's part of the deal. And we can't just cut people out every time that happens. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, totally. I, I totally. totally agree on a personal level. I think what I think. I think Kirk was wise, though, because if Kanye did a gospel album and then the, the gospel world put him on that platform and said, okay, you're now ministering gospel music and they're doing gospel concerts and all that kind of stuff that the church should hold the people on a ministry platform to a certain level of, you know, moral accountability and things like that. You know what I mean? Like you would, you sure. would want your pastor to not be doing crazy. A high stuff. standard is good for, yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah. I mean, Kirk was right. And it's not that we're like, you know, necessarily like going to try and tear him down. It's just, if you step into that pulpit, you are, you know, accepting a higher Stand, public standard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know that that's a negative thing. I, on the personal level, I completely agree. I love what Kirk did. He's like, no, no, no I don't want to be a collaborator. I don't want us to like have a commercial relationship. I want to be in your yeah. life, you know? And yeah. I love that he went that way with it. That's the way Me to too. do it. Yeah, I for agree. sure. Another thing those two stories have in common is that, uh, is that Kirk was offered Kanye's beats for free and that this winter gentleman was offered to write a family guy script for free and they both turned him down. If either of those gentlemen want to offer me a similar opportunity, I would be more than happy to take you up. I've got a lot of family guy ideas been rattling around in my brain since I was 15 years old. So yeah, Seth MacFarlane, you can find me. I'm on the podcast. It's at Tyler Huckabee on Twitter. Yeah. Kanye, I will accept the beats and I will withhold my judgment until that day. You, you know, know what would so. take the Mark Wahlberg movie to another level is if Kirk Franklin voiced the lizard. That his voice That's was true. like he's got a yeah he's got a cool voice. He yeah. does I, have I, a cool like he's. I mean, because I've never heard a conversation with him where he doesn't sound like he is basically like preaching. Like yeah. he has that sort of like authority in his voice that is very cool. You know, 
And I would say I saw the lizard. This lizard had a little more of a Kirk Franklin vibe than a Mark Wahlberg a little bit. So I could go either way. Well, he could become like the wise mentor to Mark Wahlberg. Like he goes around, <laughs> exactly. keeps him in a shirt pocket right. at all times. That's or he's, exactly you know, right. He's kind of mm-hmm. coaching him up. He's like a life coach lizard. At 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> a life coach lizard. <laughs> so, so the plot of this movie yes. is Mark Wahlberg, right. who's portraying Mark this. Wahlberg right. is in some sort of uh, personal, uh, you know, having some sort of personal problems to drown his sorrows no, away. No, 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 just can- normal life. Just normal life. He finds this special lizard okay. who speaks okay. to him and then they go on a quest. In yeah, his in you, his washing machine, you, you miss. Yeah. You're missing. A, a, you're missing a key thing here. Is yeah. to drown his sorrows away. Mark Wahlberg, portraying Mark Wahlberg, turns to Tide Pods. Tide At pods. this point, in a in a in a, in a Clorox induced uh, hypnosis, yes. he enters his washing machine, slips uh-huh. into some sort of Narnia world, and is led <laughs> by some sort of lizard guide, voiced. By Kirk Franklin, That's right. who is also giving advice to Kanye West at the time. I'm in. Ah, I'm gods in. and bullets. Great, gods and bullets. This is very man. exciting. Yeah. It's like on the, this week on the Freeform channel. I don't know. It's the movie <laughs> Freeform's budget's gone way up if they can get Mark Wahlberg. That's very and Kirk Franklin. Be, and yeah. Kirk Franklin. That's a big budget. But you know what? Tur- when the idea is right, the idea is right. Yeah. Kirk, might do this one, Kirk might do this one for free. Right. Just to give back to the kids. Like, I feel like this is like one of those weird Netflix sci-fi shows that's always on, you know, like the OA or what is that weird German time travel where it's just like you start explaining the plot to a Netflix executive. They're like, let me stop you there. Let me stop you right there. Here's $15 million. Go, go. Make this washing machine lizard Mark Wahlberg Narnian movie. Go. We're in. We're in. Five seasons, 300 episodes. We're in. We're in. <laughs> no checks and balances, no oversight. But we're like that Jonah Hill, Emma Stone one. But I don't even know what that's about. Some kind of trippy, you yeah. know, yeah, it doesn't matter. Netflix, doesn't matter. if you got a weird sci fi concept, they're in. They're making it and they're making a lot of episodes, even though they know that 99.9% of viewers will get through about 10 minutes of the first one and go, This is weird. I'm watching The Office. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll do it for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Jesse just started doing a Fortnite dance. Uh, I love it, Chandler. That I almost battled you. Jesse. I almost battled you. I, I, I know. I, I everyone saw my flossing skills and just backed out. My, my Kirk Franklin yeah. lizard voice in my head told me to not do it. Not do it. Be the bigger. That's man. what I think. I want to take this kind of a bandersnatch direction. Our new show, because then you can like choose what the lizard, how the lizard advises, how Kirk Franklin the lizard advises Mark Wahlberg. You could lead Mark Wahlberg down a path of destruction or or potentially <laughs> towards a path of redemption. Or, or, or talk him into waking wow. up at, you know, one thirty in the morning to start his day with, you know, 15,000 crunches. Like, you know, <laughs> his, his, his destiny is in your hands. <laughs> and then followed by a four-hour shower, which was that's pretty close to what it was. We are all, in some ways, the Kirk Franklin lizard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, wow. that's, that's, wow. Really, wow. that's the reveal wow. at the end. <laughs> Pass the plate. We, were, we were the lizard all along. We are all the yeah. lizard. Yeah. I just feel like big I was twist. ministered to. The big twist. <laughs> if you right. make it to the final episode of season yeah. five, if the you. twist will be revealed. But I mean, at that, that we're point, all the lizard. You're about 400 hours into the show. <laughs> 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 which, which the budget has now ballooned to $900 million, which Netflix will gladly shell out because apparently that's what they do now for weird sci-fi stuff. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Jordan Lee Dooley joins us. 
listening to Electric Guest. The song is dear to me. Um, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, custom- customizable settings, and a lot more, all without a single plugin. Including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface, Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And right now, they're offering relevant podcast uh, listeners a special deal. Go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I use it often. Squarespace. Jordan Lee Dooley is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur whose new book, Own Your Everyday, was just named the best book to read to be a better person in 2019 by Inc. Magazine. We recently spoke with Jordan about finding the balance between waiting on God and taking the initiative, how to set healthy boundaries while pursuing your dreams, and the importance of redefining what success looks like. You talked to her, Jesse, right? Yeah, I did. And, you know, to be kind of honest, you know, I have some degree of skepticism when it comes to some like sort of like self-helpy type of books, you know, Um, especially, you know, there are some that tend to kind of lean into like platitudes to a degree. So when I, you know, first encountered her book, which Annie, you've seen you, you do you know Jordan at all? Yeah, we're friends. Like when I first saw uh, her book, like I was really impressed with how counter narrative like a lot of it was, you know, where it's not so much about, uh, you know, you know, leaning on all these strengths and and big goals as much as it is about becoming a better person. Um, And but ultimately, you know, part of the the book looks at the tension of a verse in in Proverbs is 69 that says the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You know, there's a real tension there. You know, if if I'm making my plans, how can the Lord also, uh, uh, you know, guide my steps? So I wanted to ask her what that, you know, serving God looks like in light of that verse. And here's what she said. So I think what it's meant to me and what it's really, in, you know, um, how it's guided me in these last few years is I believe we are called and made to take action. I think we can't just sit around and hope that something's going to, you know, land on a silver platter for us. But at the same time, there comes this point of working, like, I guess, giving your best and then just trusting him with the rest. That's really the best way I can say it because um, I think a lot of us are striving to be the best, which is the wrong goal. <laughs> so I always say there's a difference between giving your best and trying to be the best. And so I've had to learn the difference, especially as someone who wants to achieve and be the best and you know own my whole thing and have full control. I'm such a control freak. Is <laughs> learning the action and what I can control and making sure I'm taking intentional action with those things and then trusting everything that I can't control, like the outcome, I always say impact over outcome. And I think that really applies to this verse because we can plan all the things we want. We can plan book launches. We can plan you know, our lives out and hope for these certain outcomes. And I, a lot of times we might get them, you know, but I, the reality is you're either going to get the outcome you wanted. I heard this said at a conference not too long ago, you're going to get the outcome you wanted or the lesson you needed. And so I think that really applies to this verse is, you know what, I can work and push and be very intentional with the actions that I take um, to get a certain desired outcome. But I have to trust that if that's not the outcome, so long as impact was made and I showed up where I was, 
then it was still a purposeful um, endeavor. It was still worth pursuing. God still was glorified in it. He still got his way and impact was still made. I, I really like that because I do feel like there's there's a lot of advice these days that you hear about. It is important to be the best, to get to the top of the mountain. But really what she's saying is that's probably the wrong motivation. Like that's probably rooted in something unhealthy. And if you're more focused on impacting other people than elevating yourself, that's, you know, more of a accurate measure of success because there's a lot of factors that are just outside of our control. And so I think, you know, where, where that kind of led the conversation was to really ask, like, well, how should we even measure success? Because especially if you look at like objective metrics, there are relatively few people who, you know, depending on how stringent you are with those metrics, actually become, quote unquote, successful. So I want to ask her what 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 she thinks a healthy way to even look at the idea of success is. You've got to look at success in your life on a micro level before you can ever go macro, before you can ever think those big, cool, flashy public things that may or may not ever happen because I think what a lot of people are doing is they're waiting for that one big career move or one big, you know, awesome thing that was successful. I'm the best mom in the, you know, community or I'm the best, whatever. Um, and I think we actually rob ourselves of daily micro success of really being intentional in our daily lives and going to bed each night saying today was a success. Cause I think we all wait for that bigger success. And in waiting, when you feel like you're in a season of waiting, you're really wasting this awesome, precious day right in front of you. So I started to redefine success for myself. You know, I sure I have these bigger ideas and goals, but I had to start looking at it on a micro level and say, what are my micro success factors? How can I make sure that every single night when I go to bed, I can look at the day and say, I was successful today, whether or not everyone else applauds or sees it. And so things like I pray today, I moved my body today. I was present with my husband over dinner today. Those are little things that we can often like plow right through because we're just so focused on the big, you know, uh, big ideas, micro or macro success. And so I just really started focusing on that. And I found those little daily successes, those little daily intentions and disciplines, those are what actually set us up for true lasting, you know, bigger successes that we hope to have in our lives. This is why I love Jordan. I just think she, there's such a weird pressure on women when it comes to success. And she has got such a balance, like leading us in a, um, in a real balanced way toward what it could look like to every day, find that and still dream bigger than just your everyday. So I'm, I love her voice in that space. Yeah. And, and, and too, like it's almost, I mean, this is like a, random pop culture reference. Remember the Adam Sandler movie years ago where he's like obsessed with work and finds like that magic remote control. That's basically like a parable about this idea that if you, um, it's called click. Oh, that's <laughs> yes, I remember it. Uh, yeah, I remember click. It has a Adam name, Jesse. But, but it's sort of like a, the parable about the dangers of something like she's talking about. Like, look, if you're measuring success on these big, you know, outcomes that some, they might be professional, they might be personal, but you ignore the little stuff every day then your priorities and what you think about success is totally backwards. And I, and I think that's a kind of a cool countercultural message right now for a lot of people. Cause they'll get, and especially, so- I mean, y'all, especially for women, because there is this weird push on if you're not massively successful, then you're not successful. Like there's this mm. weird thing for us that is like, mm, leave the old, metrics of what success would have been for your mother or for your grandmother and find these new really high level quote quote successes. And and Jordan is saying is so good about saying and says it a lot on Instagram on her podcast and in this book of like 
Um, no, that like there is success in right where you are today. You should find it right where you are today and and identify it. And hmm. I just think that is so helpful. Yeah. The 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 other thing that she thought that she talked about that I felt like was kind of countercultural is like the double edged sword of setting goals. You know, like you always hear it's oh you got to have goals and try to meet them. But she actually kind of talks about well y- y- again if you have an unhealthy. Uh, perspective on that, that's going to be, that's going to have really negative consequences. And here's what she, here's how she explained it. Be the person that you see in your dreams before your dreams come true. And I don't mean like someone who's, you know, well, if I want to be the person in my dreams, I need to be making, you know, six figures a year. I don't really mean that. I mean, the person who's confident, the person who's intentional, the person who is present and alert and joyful and, you know, serving others. You know, I think we often wait to become that person until a certain goal comes to pass until we hit that milestone. So my whole thing is, if you're going to set goals, do it, but have a little bit of boundaries on those goals so that you don't get so obsessed with the end outcome that you miss the impact along the way. So, or like just the intentionality along the way. So for example, let's say you're trying to gain or lose weight, for example. Um, If your goal is to lose or gain 10 pounds and you want to go to the gym every single day besides Sunday, so six days a week, that's great. That's a lot of activity. So what's the boundary you're going to put on that so that you don't become obsessed with, you know, like I've done that where you almost put your body through too much and you don't have any kind of balance in your life. So the boundary on that goal could be, I'm going to have an accountability partner to hold me accountable to not working out more than 30 minutes a day or to making sure I'm replenishing so that I'm not trying to expedite reaching the goal, but then starving myself in the process. So it's just having, I think the discipline of putting boundaries on our own goals helps us still achieve them and work toward them intentionally without becoming obsessed or damaged by them. Yeah. I think that that's another, you know, like there are people who are so driven that, you know, you feel like nothing will stop them from accomplishing their goals. That might not necessarily be a good thing because they might be willing to Hmm. neglect other things in their life that shouldn't be neglected you know, to try to, to achieve, you know, a goal that might be, you know, somewhat arbitrary, it might not be what, you know, God wants. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, I was, like I said, really, um, impressed by the book and impressed with Jordan. It's called own your every day. And, uh, definitely encourage people to check it out. All right. That was Jordan Lee Dooley. Stay tuned up next. It's our listener of the week. It's back. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of The Relevant Podcast. Hey, if you're a longtime listener or a fan, there's two things you should do. One, head over to store.relevantmagazine.com, our online store. And there is a whole podcast section where you can get mugs with some quotes from the show. You can get some t-shirts and other merch. Uh, There's a podcast section at The Relevant Store. Go check it out, store.relevantmagazine.com. Also, while you're at the website you should subscribe to the magazine. There's a great deal going on right now. You can get a year of Relevant for a very good price. Head over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Listening to floor. Song is dancing around. Target battling children. 
Okay, it is time for... You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's the listener of the week. We took a break for a while. We took I love a break, that jingle. Uh, because... I don't know. We just felt like it. <laughs> well, we're we are we're coming back with a month of listener of the weeks. Jesse wow. has been watching, uh, you know, watching the Twitter feed, and and he told me yesterday. He's like, man, they're just. I've been flagging these people. There are so many good ones. I think we need to bring it back. And we're like, let's do it. So our to 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 kick off our listener of the week comeback. Uh, well, please welcome Christina Tello. Hey, Christina. Uh, hey, Christina, where are you calling us from? New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. What are you doing in New yeah, Jersey? Whereabouts? Uh, all over. So I grew up in North Jersey in Elizabeth, and now I'm living in uh, Ocean Township, Asbury Park. Okay. What do you do there? I am a social worker, and I work in housing. Oh, oh good uh, woman. Well, I, work, I, I work in an office. You work in housing. I work in an office. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. He's making a difference. Christina Tello, um, as, uh, what is your feelings on the Jersey Shore television program as, as a lifelong New Jerseyer? Okay, so I don't know if I'm in denial or not, but at least two out of the five or six of them are yeah. from New York, for the record. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. So you're a, you're a truther. <laughs> people go to a party i'm not really into that i love the beach but uh the whole lifestyle is not really about. christina what is the best and worst thing about the state of new jersey hmm. the best thing is the people and the diversity for sure i know okay. I, I learned that uh watching jersey shore <laughs> <laughs> great people great people no one's arguing with you there <laughs> great hair products the worst thing i guess is depending on where you live it's hard to get anywhere oh. you know, people sure. make fun of like oh you have to say what parkway exit you're on but like the whole west side of the state if you're like they're nowhere near the parkway um oh. so it could be hard to get and also the the uh shore traffic in the summer is terrible Christian, your, your bridges, your bridges will randomly close down for, for no reason. <laughs> for spite. <laughs> yeah, I just had a spite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Th- their toll booths are wheeled for political spite. It's a, it's a crazy thing. <laughs> Christina Tello, I, before you, before you came on and we were, we were like, okay, we got to crawl Christina Tello. Tyler Huckabee said, Christina Tello is my favorite Ninja Turtles name. Have you ever heard that lame joke before? <laughs> No, I didn't, but I always told my brother that he should name his firstborn Donna. Well done. Well done. You did it. You did it. Yeah. That's that's good. All right. So uh the way the the reason why we picked Christina Tello to be our listener of the week was that she posted three interesting facts about herself on Twitter. Uh I will read them and then please elaborate and tell us more about these can, items. Can, can uh, I also for, say one quick yes. thing? Christina Tello is the first person in the history of Listener of the Week to send multi, a multimedia clip with her. That's oh, true. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, that oh, really okay. caught your attention, Jess. She, she's taking it up a notch. She's raising the bar for all of you wow. other perspective okay. listeners of the week. We want visual aids. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, her first fact. I have performed at Carnegie Hall four times. The fourth time, the fourth time, I did something impulsive and was severely reprimanded backstage. Please Whoa. do tell. Oh, tell us. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've been a listener for a couple months. I don't know if any of you have uh, been on the classical choir circuit. No. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, so, no. Yes, bad, unfortunately bad for, for life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you're young. You're young. Um, so 
it's very strict. I mean, you so much as touch your face on stage, scratch your nose, move that hair that's tickling you, you are uh, scolded. It is very unprofessional. It's very strict. Wow. So um, during college, my choir was invited to Carnegie Hall um, pretty much each year. And we sing with uh, other choirs from other colleges. And so there's a band that's playing before us. There's a band and then there's the choral presentation. So the band goes on and I'm sitting backstage and there's some people like giggling and laughing and I'm kind of like secretly judging them and um, thinking like, wow, it's so unprofessional. And my choir director and I are shooting each other looks like, oh yeah, we got this. We're professional. So <laughs> unfortunately, the band was singing, was uh, doing um, the overture, opening overture from The Sound of Music. And I thought, you know, maybe it'd be nice if I close my eyes and just kind of get into the spirit of the presentation. Oh boy! So I'm hearing the the opening notes, and I'm just viewing myself spinning around in a field of flowers in Austria. And sure. when the time comes, I'm just like, the hills are alive. Backstage, and my choir director <laughs> loses it. She's like, I trusted you. The ultimate betrayal. You burst into the song. I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. That's oh, right. right. That's the word. You and Cameron. You and Cameron should join forces. You both. It sounds like there's both. There's a indictment against music and happiness and joy uh-huh. on both ends here. Maybe you should be a choir uh-huh. director, Cameron. Uh, I, I do. I freelance on the Chris, weekends. Christina, how <laughs> tempted were you to just run on stage and start singing the song? Like, if if, they, if your choir directors treating you like that and you've already played Carnegie Hall three times I think you've earned the ability for uh-huh. an impromptu solo were, were you right. tempted at all I I was I wanted to run out but I um you know I'm a, a purist when it comes to art and I'm still ashamed that I did it but I'm kind of not sorry because I was feeling sure. it and I had to go with it right right when uh, her second her second fact uh she's recorded a non- ironic, very professional Christian version of Beyonce's song Irreplaceable. And we have a clip, folks. We have a clip. I love it. Okay, uh, Chandler, you want to play it? (laughs) I'm going to need the backstory on this, too. (laughs) But let's let's just relish in this for a moment. Annie, I want to, I want to, I want to navigate what's happening. Annie has her hand over her mouth. In the gospel, that's my stuff. And if I follow, it's going to be tough. Keep speaking that word, that's good. Can we walk and talk like Jesus would? Yeah, it's his name that's on my heart. He has the strength to move, sees a part. I'm standing at the altar. You're talking about Your voice is very good. So are your lyrics. Wow, I I am very impressed. I that, am too. That, <laughs> what what happened? Why, how did that come about? Yeah, let's hear the, the story. Guys, not to get all testimony on you about mm. this corny, well-produced song. Um, so I wrote this song when I was like baby Christian, like two months into being a Christian. I was twenty-two, and. Okay. Um, it was a time when I really just wanted to be out in nature. So I would have these long walks to work and I was just thinking about the world and I was getting a little pushback for, um, you know, changing my lifestyle, changing my beliefs and, you know, the changes that you go through when you are, um, newly saved. 
So I was just thinking, you know, any any hate that comes toward me is because they don't know about him. And um, it's my job to help them know about him so that they desire to push against him less. So that's where that came from. So, so oh let me God. ask this. You have such pure motives, Christina, and that's very admirable. When people <laughs> gave you a hard time for your faith and you were, yeah. you were being persecuted for your convictions, right. did you just say, you know what? I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to defend this right now. I need you to listen to this. And you handed them a cover of, you handed them a CD with your cover of Beyonce's Irreplaceable. Is that how it went down from there? No, but I know how I'm using my next tax return now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christina. That is, that is a very that is a very wholesome story, Christina. That was like, very, very dude, do you have a studio inspiring. in your house? This sounds yeah, like right. this sounds like it was a real deal here. Yeah. My friend Tom has a studio. I actually have written some of my own songs and I was planning on sending my demo out, but then I met my husband, fell in love, got married and life's kind of taken a crazy turn. So I actually have a demo that's not done yet. And this is one of the things I was going to put on it. Wow. Oh. Okay. You have a lovely voice. Yeah. All right. Last fact. She said, I once did something during my pastor's sermon that made him stop preaching. Look at me dead in the eye and say, Really? Oh wow! Oh, hmm. please we've all, tell we've us. All been, I mean, we've all been. There. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, if you've been anywhere with Jesse Carey, that has happened <laughs> to us all. Yeah. All right, but like Jesse probably came in on the zip line. Mine's not like that crazy. <laughs> That's a good, true. That's a good true. guess. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so okay, so there's this guy at my church. His name's Nelson. He's like older guy in his like fifties or something, and he's just so funny. Everything he does, I'm like always looking. What's Nelson doing? What's he doing? I got to know what he's doing. He cracks me up. He just looks at me and I laugh. So he's sitting across the, on the other side of the church, across the, uh, the aisle. And the pastor is giving a sermon and um, I get a little distracted and I'm like, well, what's Nelson doing? So I look over and he's just uh, writing in a little friendship pad, uh, you know, signing in saying who came to church that week. And then he takes it and slides it across the whole pew to the end. And I'm like, oh, it's so smooth. I want to do that. So I write my name. I'm all confident. I'm all excited. <laughs> and I go to slide it across the pew. It hits the end of the pew, flies over, and misses hitting my pastor by an inch. <gasps> oh, like, my gosh. Right in front of <laughs> You you slid a little booklet with such force that it catapulted off the pew and almost hit your pastor mid sermon. I was enthusiastic, and I you know I like to think that it was like mid altar call. So he's like, "If you're looking for a reason to accept Jesus Christ, <laughs> let there be a sign." And the just membership pad comes flying over. <laughs> I I I'll say this. I got to meet this Nelson character. Can he yeah. be the listener yeah. of the week next week for us too, Christina? Can Can you come on with Nelson? <laughs> I'm sure to work it out. He's hilarious. Like when, whenever we're singing songs, he misses. He just messes up the words on purpose. I'm just like looking over my shoulder, laughing the whole time. I, it, he's a disruptor. Wow. He's, he's a, a disruptor. disruptor. It sounds like he's doing it for his own amusement, which I appreciate too. Anyone that's disruptive <laughs> and they were the only one who finds it funny. That makes me right. think this Nelson fella is a pretty likable guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a killer joke I can ask him to tell if he's free. And it's about um, a tree. 
and uh, it, it's oh, to I, die for. It's really good. Uh, well, how about this? I don't know. <laughs> Let's end this the right way. And this is you appropriating Nelson's joke. We need to hear. You can't tee it up like that, Christy. Yeah. Right. If Nelson has a good tree joke that you know, that, that you have to do the right thing here and spread this tree humor. 100%. We are all ears, Christina. Okay. I am willing, but I want you to know that the last time I tried to uh, repeat what Nelson did so suavely, it ended in utter embarrassment. So, well, either uh, way, either way, wow. we're excited we're here for, for it. Either way, we this. win. Yeah. 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 Either way, we win. <laughs> okay. All right. I got to make sure I get it right. Okay. Okay. So, a guy goes into an interview, job interview. And the guy interviewing him is like, this guy's an idiot. I'm not going to hire him. Let me just give him some stupid, uh, stupid test to do so that I could just have a reason to get him out of here. So he hands him a piece of paper and a pen. And he said, draw the number three without using any words or numbers. So okay. the guy <laughs> draws a tree and looks over at him and he goes, twee. So he's like, all right, he, he outsmarted me this time. So he said, all right, so uh, draw me um, 33. So he takes the drawing that he just did. He moves his hand all over it so it gets all uh, crazy looking. And he goes, dirty tree. And so the guy's getting frustrated and he's like, I got to get this guy out of my hair. You know what? Let's forget about the threes. Give me 100. So he draws another tree and another tree and moves his hand all over them. So they get all crazy and he draws a little thing that looks like a rock next to everything. Okay. And he hands the paper back to him. He says, what's this? And the interviewee says, that's a dirty tree and a turd, dirty tree and a turd, dirty tree and a turd. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's it. You and Nelson have to be on. You <laughs> that is that is the ultimate grandpa joke. I think yeah. Nelson. I think you did Nelson proud. You yeah. did. You're yeah. 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 Nelson was really strong. But I but I think he. I like to think he can, would really appreciate be, how you delivered. Can I ask you a question, uh, Christina? Is Nelson Phil Dumphy from Modern Family? It sounds like he might be Phil Dumphy. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. I'm sure they somebody met him along the way and designed the character after him. Yeah. All well, right. You well, did him proud. Our listener of the week, Christina. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Christina. Thank you Thanks, so Christina. Much. Thanks, Christina. All right. Uh, if you want to be our next week's listener of the week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us three <laughs> facts about yourself. Ideally, they lead to stories. That's the yeah. that's the catch. And then or now, jokes. I, or I jokes. I do think this. I or do think this. Along with your three interesting facts that have funny stories, you also, if you want to be on, we're stepping this up. You have to yeah. bring the best joke you know. You have and, to do it for yeah. next week. And clips. If, yeah. if there's a clip. You guys, I just got to do this at my church because they did like a dad joke competition where like NFL oh. players do where two people sit across the table and yeah. try to not laugh at the other person's jokes. What, let's hear ones. yours. How to go. Okay. Yeah, how to okay. go. Okay. You've, opened the, you've opened the door, oh, yeah. Annie. You can't, I'm ready. Let's hear. Okay. Let's do this. Me versus you. Do you want to go for and And, and whoever laughs loses. Okay. Okay. All it's right. up to you if you want to go first. You want me to go first. I'm I mean, watching y'all on video, so yeah. whoever cracks smirk. first. Even yeah. a smirk. Hey, listen, Annie, a smirk I can even. win this right out of the gate if you want. No, he can't because he smirks at everything. So, right. okay. And yeah. I'm very funny. You've got that fact that you haven't okay. put into this. Okay, Annie, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, I'll go first. Why didn't the lifeguard save the hippies from drowning? Why? 
They were too far out, man. <laughs> now. <laughs> I laughed. She, did, she, did, she didn't crack it all. All right, your, all right, turn. Annie, your, your turn. turn. Your turn. Jesse, I am so excited that spring is here that I wet my plants. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I got him. Oh, easy. easy. An yeah, easy victory. That was oh. that was embarrassing, Jesse. I, I couldn't help it. I'm I'm a sucker for potty see, humor. See that, that's, that's why it. I like that's why I like Christina's. That's why I like Christina's. I'm at the age uh, my sense of humor level is the same age as people who like Fortnite dancing. It doesn't take a lot to be to find the joy in potty humor. Good, well done, Annie. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so hit us up if you want to be our next listener of and bring your dad joke. Bring it. Bring yeah. your dad joke. Yes. Many thanks to Jordan Lee Dooley for joining us. Her new book. Own Your Everyday is out now. Go check it out. Also, thanks to Squarespace for making the episode possible. Go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. I think we did pretty good considering it's a, a, a light edit day. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't yeah. create too yeah. much work for Chandler. <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear, you didn't hear the three rounds of uh dad jokes that Annie and I were telling that were getting increasingly more inappropriate. So well done, Chandler. <laughs> thanks for protecting forty five minutes yeah. of, of thanks for extremely <laughs> problematic dad jokes. Mine would have been unaffected, but yeah. You saved Annie. She will be invited back into houses of worship. <laughs> despite the horrible things I heard just leave her mouth I mean they were offensive Stop. on every level these jokes <laughs> were some of the I'm most profane and offensive and politically incorrect things I've ever heard I'm I mean, a pretty high tolerance I'm a pretty high tolerance but I was throwing up physically, <laughs> physically vomiting <laughs> We're going to hear from the uh, Parents Television Council president. That's right. You know what, dude? You write some dad jokes if you want. (laughs) Tim Winter and Annie are now going to be best friends because she offended him so much. It's a long game. It's a long game. She just wanted a new friend. That's all she's looking for. (laughs) On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Annie F. Downs, and I have more dad jokes if y'all want them. Do All right, leave, hit, us hit us on, leave us on a good one here. Okay. Um, why did Norway start putting barcodes on all their ships? Do you guys know this? Why they started putting barcodes on all their ships? Why? Ships. Tell us. No. Yeah, on the ships, the Navy. Um, the, uh, no, hold on. Let me say it again. Why did Norway start putting barcodes on all their ships why? so they why? could why? Scandinavian? <laughs> If that wasn't the third joke you said, that was at the expense of people of Nordic countries. (laughs) I were insanely offensive. Hey, did you guys know that I used to actually work at a calendar factory? But they fired me because I took a couple of days off. (laughs) <laughs> she she let out with her only good joke is what we're saying no, keep going. no keep going please please one more um, one more for the road one more, one more one more send us home send us home smiling okay okay there's a three-legged dog who walked into a bar and he looks at the bartender bartender and he says 
Ricky. <laughs> oh my God, Jimmy. I cannot I believe you just said that. Annie. The dog said that to the bartender? How? Oh, Annie. What sort of sick mind even wrote something like that? What, finds what it did funny? the Norwegians ever do to you? My goodness. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe I'm not going to lie. I got a little detergent drunk tonight and I made a film about a lizard. You guys got to see it. Relevant Podcast Network.